Hello and welcome. My name is Leo, and this is the California Caucus. Alright, a little bit about me before we get started. Uh, my name is Leo Kendall. I'm going to be your host. Um, I'm a recent college graduate. I graduated earlier this year. Um, I have worked in politics for about six or seven years now. Uh, most notably, I worked in the uh, Hillary Clinton campaign in 2016. I was in Pennsylvania. And this year, I'm actually working for the Democrats again, uh, just doing remote organizing, remote phone calling, um, stuff like that. But enough about me. Uh, this podcast is called the California Caucus. Um, it has nothing to do with caucusing, uh, as the name might suggest. Instead, we're going to be looking just into California politics. Um, specifically in this episode, we're going to be looking at the state assembly and state senate races that are interesting. Um, going to be looking at, into whether you know it could flip from Democrat to Republican. Um, spoiler alert, it can't. Uh, but we're just going to be looking at the elections that matter in the state, um, specifically in those two houses. We're not going to be looking into U.S. representative, and we're not going to be looking at the ballot measures. Um, just wanted to keep it simple um, and wanted to give you guys, you know, just a little preview of the election, uh, which races to keep an eye on and everything. So with that said, let's get started. All right, we're going to be starting in the California State Senate. Um, so just a little background, there's 40 total members in the California State Senate. Uh, currently, um, there's 29 Democrats and 11 Republicans. Um, so with this current composition, the Democrats actually have a veto-proof supermajority. So in the Senate, that's actually 27 seats. Um, so technically, the Democrats have two seats to spare. So uh, we're going to go through them, but they could lose two seats and still have that uh, veto-proof supermajority. Um, Obviously, it's important uh, if the Democrats, you know, disagree with Gavin Newsom, they can pass a bill, um, honestly, of any sort, if they wanted to without him. Uh, usually, they're going to be working with him, but maybe in the rare occasion, they're going to be doing something against him. Um, and they're also, a uh, supermajority is also important for tax increases and urgency bills. Uh, urgency bills are simply bills that just go into effect immediately after passing. Um, obviously, good for, you know, fighting forest fires, stuff like that. So, in the Senate this year, there's 20 total seats that are up. This year, these are the odd-numbered districts. Um, it's important to remember that in the Senate, uh, senators are elected to four-year terms. So, these seats were last elected in 2016. So, these are the presidential election seats. So, these can actually flip um, maybe more interestingly uh, in California, um, more volatility because, you know, if it's a red wave election year, like potentially, you know, you could say that 2016 was, or if you went back as far as 2004, um, more Republicans might get in. But if you want to say 2008, 2012, Democratic wave, blue wave, um, more Democrats are likely getting in. So these seats have a little bit more volatility just because more people are going to be voting and you never really know which way it's going to go. Um, so the supermajority that they uh, have right now um, the Democrats actually picked up the final two seats in 2018, and those were in the Fresno area, um, but they aren't up until 2022. So where can the Democrats lose this year? Well, um, the first one I'm going to be highlighting is District 29. Uh, this is an incredibly interesting district, actually. 
So, in 2016, this was actually the closest election in the entire California State Senate. Josh Newman, uh, who's the Democrat, beat Lingling Chang, um, the Republican, 50.4% to 49.6%. Uh, Newman actually won the election uh, by less than 3,000 votes. So that's, um, you know, obviously a very flippable district for Republicans. The interesting thing here is that this year, the exact same candidates that ran in 2016 are running against each other again this year. So Josh Newman, Lingling Chang facing off again. Um, so we're going to see how that goes. Uh, obviously could go either way. Um, it's really going to depend actually on the presidential election. And I'm going to stress this a lot throughout this episode. Uh, the presidential election is going to bring a lot of people out. It's going to be a lot of people voting. Um, and we don't know how that's going to go. So uh, honestly, this one will probably just go whoever wins in the, in the White House this year. Uh, if Joe Biden wins... Josh Newman will likely win. If Donald Trump wins, Ling Ling Chang will likely win. Um, you know, this is a swing district. Uh, it can go either way. Um, okay, second district we have here is District 27. Um, in 2016, Henry Stern, the Democrat, beat Steve Fazio 54.9% to 45.1%. Uh, um, in 2012, it was a little closer. It was 53.6% for the Democrat and 46.4% for the Republican. Um, so obviously a little bit safer than District 29 there with uh, Josh Newman, but um, this is somewhat flippable for the Republicans. If it's a major swing year, uh, you know, big wave for Donald Trump, um, you could see the Republican winning here. If Henry Stern does a little bit to mess this up, you know, maybe fumbles along the way, um, the guy who's challenging him, who is named Human Salem, uh, could actually steal this one. So the interesting thing, uh, and the reason why I probably think that this isn't going to flip, is that uh, there were the only two in the primary. So Human Salem, who challenged uh, Henry Stern this year, who's a Republican, um, he actually got 68,000 less votes in the primary. And, you know, granted it was a primary, but that's not a very good sign for the general unless he's really turned things around, um, you know, has a really strong ground campaign, uh, has brought in a lot of donations, um, which is probably unlikely. Uh, I really doubt that he's going to be able to flip this one. So those are actually the only two that I have that could flip from Democrat to Republican. Um, obviously, if, if Republicans flip both of those uh, and Democrats don't pick up any other seats, um, then they could lose the supermajority. Let me go ahead and say now that it's unlikely, um, unless there's a huge red wave. So I'm actually going to move on to our next category, which is Democrat versus Democrat. Um, so we're going to District 11, which is in the southern suburbs of San Francisco. Um, this is one of the most interesting races in California this year. Um, Scott Weiner, the incumbent Democrat, is actually being challenged by a woman named Jackie Fielder. Uh, she's 26 years old, she's a Latina and Native American, and she's a Democratic Socialist. So Weiner actually already uh, successfully defeated another Democrat back in 2016, uh, Jane Kim. He won by about four points. So um, this year, it could be pretty close again. Uh, obviously, I think that Jackie Fielder has a real chance here. Um, when it's a, when it's a you know, strong personality like Jackie Fielder, when it's a really you know, passionate candidate like that, anything is possible. Um, and she's 
you know, very liberal, which so is San Francisco. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, she actually has the endorsement of the California Teachers Association and the Labor Federation. Um, so those could end up making a pretty big difference in this race. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. So definitely be watching that one. And then the other district that I have my eye on is District 15. This was the assembly seat of Jim Beal, who served in both the assembly and Senate. Um, this is an open seat, so could go either way between these two Democrats. The first one we have is Dave Cortez. He's been the county supervisor in the area since 2008, and he actually ran for San Jose mayor in 2014, uh, but lost narrowly. So he's pretty well known in the area. So the other candidate that's running for this open seat is Ann Rabel. Um, she actually worked in the U.S. Justice Department and most recently served in the Federal Elections Commission. Um, she actually has the endorsement of uh, former President Obama. So um, I'd say she's the favorite uh, just because, you know, the endorsement of Obama carries a lot of weight, especially in a Democratic state like this. Um, so I'm going to say it's going to be close, but I predict that she'll probably be able to win this one. So there's only one other uh, Democrat versus Democrat in the Senate races. Um, this one is a uh, not that close one, um, I'd say. Uh, Lena Gonzalez, who's the Democratic incumbent, is challenged by Elizabeth Castillo, um, who actually ran a write-in campaign. Uh, she got 205 votes. Um, this is compared to Gonzalez's 109,000 votes. Um, you know... She was an unknown entity before. Uh, you never really know with the primaries, but I'd say this is unlikely to be an interesting race. I'm going to go ahead and uh, chalk Lena Gonzalez into winning that election again. Okay, so um, the final category I have, and this could be the most interesting, is uh, flippable for Democrats. This first district is District 23. Um, it's actually an open seat. Uh, but it's been Republican-held for a little while. Um, a Republican won back in 2012, 56 uh, to the Democrats, 43%. Um, back in 2016, the Republican won 57 to 43%. Um, so it's a little bit of a wider margin here, but uh, honestly, anything is possible um, in this district, uh, especially because these two candidates are pretty interesting. Um, the Republican candidate is uh, Rosalisi, Ocho Bo. Um, she's a Latina woman. Uh, she's the daughter of Mexican immigrants. Um, she's actually a moderate Republican and a uh, California GOP favorite. Um, so that, you know, does bode well for Republicans holding on to this one. Um, the uh, Democratic challenger is Abigail Medina. Um, she's also a Latina woman. Um, she's a daughter of Mexican immigrants as well. Um, She's also a somewhat liberal Democrat. So in a Republican district, that could be unpopular, um, but she could have some appeal. Uh, honestly, I'd say that a Republican is likely to hang on to the seat, um, but we could see an upset here, especially if the presidential election swings majorly for Biden, um, especially within the state. Uh, the other district I have here is District 21. Um, in 2012, the Republican won 57% compared to the Democrats 42%. In 2016, Scott Wilk actually beat the Democrat by 54% compared to 46%. So a little bit of a swing there, um, tightening just a little bit. Um, honestly, we could see uh, a flip here. Um, the Democratic challenger is Kip Mueller. Uh, if Biden 
pulls off a pretty strong victory, especially in California. Um, I think Kip Mueller could swing this one. So that is one definitely to keep an eye on. Um, so the two that I think could flip, 23, District 23 and District 21, um, for two different reasons. But uh, yeah, keep an eye on those on election night. So my final verdict on the Senate is that basically, again, depends who wins the election. Um, right now it's looking like you know, Biden's ahead in the polls. Um, I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to, <laughs> you know, uh, pull a 2016 here and assume he's going to win. But, um, you know, if it stays the same that it looks, um, you know, Democrats have a really good chance of actually picking up a seat or two. Um, if it goes the other way, they could lose a seat or two. Uh, but I really think that the margin here is two, um, which means that they're probably going to keep a supermajority in the Senate. Um you know, it could, you know, if there's a huge Trump wave, we could see it go the other way, but I I really doubt it. Um, so what I'd say is keep an eye on the Josh Newman seat. Um, you know, Ling Ling Chang honestly has 50-50%, you know, chance to win that one. Uh, could go either way. Um, might depend on the presidential, but, you know, might not. It, if Ling Ling Chang is a really good campaign, then, you know, we could see that flip. So, Keep an eye on that one, and um, again, that is District 29, so keep an eye on that on election night. Um, obviously, the Kip Mueller seat, which is District 27, could flip as well, so keep an eye on those. Um, but yeah, uh, I'd say the odds are that the composition of the Senate actually stays the exact same. Um, you know, there's a chance the seat gets picked up either one way or the other, um, but I'm going to go ahead and put my money on staying the exact same. Okay, so moving on to the Assembly. Um, the Assembly has 80 total members, so that's double the Senate. Um, the current composition is 61 uh, Democrats compared to 18 Republicans. There's currently one vacancy that's going to be filled this year. Um, combined with the Senate, obviously this is a veto-proof majority. We went through you know, what that is useful for and everything um, for the Democrats. Uh, so in the Assembly... A two-thirds majority is 54. So um, with 61, the math there is pretty simple. It's seven. <laughs> uh, Democrats actually have seven seats to spare. So honestly, they could get totally wiped out on all these closed elections, and they could still be in the supermajority. Um, so actually, an important note is that uh, in the Assembly, um, these elections are actually decided every two years and not four like in the Senate. Uh, because of this, comparing between 2018 and 2016, uh, there's going to be huge swings. Um, 2016 was a massive, massive presidential election. 14.6 uh, million people actually voted in California. Um, this is compared to 12.7 million in 2018. Um, that was actually a uh, pretty big turnout for a midterm election in California. Um, going back a little further, uh, 2012, the uh, year Barack Obama was reelected, 13.2 million people voted in that one. Um, in the midterms, just two years later, only 7.5 million people voted. Um, so it's worth noting that midterm and presidential elections are very, very different, even in a state like California, where one would think a lot of people would vote. Um, it's very different. Uh, so these races can be very volatile every two years. Um, it's unclear, actually, comparing, you know, 2018 numbers to 2020. It's going to be very different than comparing 2016 to 2020. So um, we're going to be looking at both. Um, we're going to be looking a little further back in some of these. 
Um, and in this one, I'm actually not going to be doing any of the Dem versus Dem districts, uh, Democrat versus Democrat. I just, there's a lot of them. Uh, th we're going to be looking at one, but there's a lot of them, and it's actually just, it's too much and doesn't actually affect the actual end composition. Um, so yeah, let's get started. So the first category we're going to be looking at here are seats that could flip from Democrat to Republican. Um, these aren't guaranteed to happen. I just think that they could um, because of past events and how close they were in 2018, 2016. Um, so the first district we're looking at is District 16. Um, in 2018, uh, the incumbent Republican actually lost to the uh, Democratic challenger 51% to 49%. Um, back in 2016, uh, the Republican actually won 56 to 43%. Um, so this is a pretty huge jump, actually. Uh, that's a that's a major swing um, toward Democrats uh, in uh, in just two years. Um, obviously, presidential midterm elections, uh, major switch there. And 2018 was a major you know blue wave. Uh, so this one could flip back, uh, could stay the same. Um, we'll have to see. Uh, a guy named Joseph Ruby uh, Rubey uh, is challenging um, the incumbent Democrat, so this one could be close. Um, the next race we're going to be looking at is District 38. So, actually, same deal as before. Um, the Republican incumbent lost to a uh, Democratic challenger, Christy Smith. Um, the Democratic challenger in 2018 won 51.5% to 48.5% for the Republican. Um, in 2016, it was 52.9% Republican, 47.1% uh, Democrat. So pretty big flip there, not as big as the other one. Um, but, uh, you know, it was it was a close district, um, and then a blue wave occurred, you know, and got a Democrat in. So um, this year, Mark Garcia, uh, or Mike Garcia, uh, is challenging Christy Smith. Um, this could be a very close one. Uh, could flip back. Uh, obviously, again, depends on the uh, presidential. Um, the next district is District 40. Uh, this one's actually really interesting. So in 2018, it was an open seat, um, and the Democrat won, uh, Ramos, won 60% to 41% uh, for the Republican. Um, it's a pretty major margin. Uh, but if you look back to 2016, Mark Steinerth, uh, the Republican, actually won 51% compared to the Democrats' 48%. So, huge swing there. I mean, that's that's an enormous swing. So, um, you know, it, it's not really clear what will happen this year. Uh, Jennifer Tullius is challenging Ramos. Um, so, uh, honestly, could flip back, could stay the same, could be an even bigger margin. Uh, with that big of a swing, it's hard to tell what's going to happen. So the last district that I have that could flip from Democrat to Republican is actually District 74. Um, this is a uh, another district where the Republican incumbent lost in 2018 in the blue wave. Um, Harper, uh, he won 56.2% in 2016. Um, in 2018, he actually was beaten uh, by Petri Norris, 53 to 47%. So... Um, that's another really big switch. So, um, you know, a couple of incumbent Republicans beat by Democrats in districts that have traditionally been pretty Republican. Um, so these could all switch and, uh, you know, say it with me, it's going to depend on the presidential. Um, so keep an eye on all of those on election night.
All right, so the next um, category that I have for the assembly are seats that could flip from Republican to Democrat. So these are interesting. Um, okay, so the first one I have here is District 36. Um, Tom Lakey, the Republican, uh, actually beat Steve Fox 52.1% uh, to 47.9% uh, back in 2018. Um, this is only interesting because Steve Fox actually beat Lakey, uh, who's now serving in that seat, back in 2012. Um, and he actually uh, held the seat from 2012 to 2014, where Tom Lakey beat him again. Um, so Lakey's been in it since 2014. Uh, Steve Fox held it for two years and has been challenging him every year. Um, and they face off again this year. So every year it's about four points or less. Um, back in 2016, it was 53 to, uh, 47. So a little less close, but this is one that could easily flip. Uh, you know, a little bit more money poured in, um, better ground game by, uh, Steve Fox. You know, who knows? Anything's possible. The next district I want to look at is District 68, um, currently held by Stephen S. Choi. Um, he beat the Democrat back in 2018, um, 53 to 47%. Um, however, back in 2016, he beat the Democrat 60% to 40%. So another huge swing there. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, Melissa Fox is challenging him. So if there's a big wave, we could see that one switch as well. So the very last district I want to look at in this category is District 72. Um, in 2016, the Republican won 58% compared to the Democrats' 42%. Um, in 2018, Tyler Deep, the Republican, uh, just won by 51.6% compared to the Democrats' 48.4%. Um, this year, Deep actually lost in the primary. So Democrats have a really good chance to take this one. I'd say this one could flip. Um, so if Democrats lose any of those four that we discussed earlier, um, they could pick this one up uh, and, you know, hopefully balance out the, the districts there. Um, okay, so we have one last category here, what I call the weird ones. First district in this one is actually District 77. Um, the Republican won back in 2018. His name is uh, Meinchen. I don't know how to say that. Um, apologies. Uh, he won 50.2% to the Democrat, who lost by just 0.4%. Um, back in 2016, it was actually uh, a much bigger margin, 57.8% uh, compared to the Democrats' 42.2%. Um, so you might be thinking, okay, could be flippable. Actually, in 2020, um, Meinsch, Meinsch, Meinschen, however you say his name, He's actually a Democrat. Uh, he switched, um, big surprise there, right? He switched two months after the 2018 election. So um, he's a Democrat now. He's a moderate Democrat, but he is a Democrat. Um, and he's actually being challenged by a Republican. Uh, this woman named June Yang Cutter um, is challenging him. Uh, this will be interesting. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he still has any Republican loyalists sticking with him. Uh, you know, if he gets the Democratic vote even, because he's technically used to be a Republican. Um, yeah, that's definitely one to watch on election night, because that could go either way. Um, and then we do have one other ones in the weird ones category. Uh, District 76. So 
this is a really weird one. Um, kind of an unfortunate story, actually. So in uh, 2018, two Democrats actually faced off against each other. Um, that's only weird because in 2016, two Republicans faced off against each other. Um, so you may be asking how that happened. Well, in 2018, uh, the main Republican candidate actually had, and actually the only Republican candidate in the race at the time, um, had a uh, allegation of sexual assault. Um, it later turned out to be false, so that's why it's an unfortunate story. Um, he lost, uh, and the two Democrats ended up winning because there were only two Democrats in the primary challenging him. So they ended up facing off uh, in general, um, and uh, Horvath is the Democrat that won um, in 2018. So she's actually the incumbent um, in a fairly Republican district. So uh, you can chalk this one most likely up to Democrats lose this uh, if it's a huge swing and, you know, if she's made some leeway in the district. Uh, it could go Democrat again. She could be reelected, but I'd say it's unlikely and, you know, Republicans will probably take it back. Uh, but yeah, so those are a couple weird ones. Um, we are going to look at one last one here, one last election, um, and that is for the Speaker of the House. So this is District 63. Um, Anthony Rendon, the Speaker of the House, was challenged in 2018 by a Democrat. Um, and it was actually 54% to 45%. Um, so that was, it's a little closer than he would have liked, especially as Speaker of the House. Um, she is actually, uh, Maria Estrada, uh, the challenger, is actually running again this year. Um, so, you know, uh, Rendon's likely to win, of course, but could be close. And, you know, this is not really the kind of race that the Speaker of the House would want to find himself in. So um, this is definitely one to watch. That's District 63. Um, keep an eye on that for election night. So um, my final verdict for the assembly uh, is that, you know, it's going to remain in supermajority hands for the Democrats. If it's a huge Republican wave, Trump wins by, you know, <laughs> five points nationally, which is is almost impossible. But, you know, I shouldn't say that because I could jinx it. Um, is is technically possible. Uh, if that happens... Um, you know, the Democrats will lose, but in almost any other situation, Democrats are going to hang on to the supermajority. They'll probably end up losing a couple of those seats they won in the blue wave, unless it's another huge blue wave year. Um, but, you know, it's it's more likely to be close again. Um, like presidential elections generally are, you know, it could be a, a way for uh, Joe Biden as well. Um, but yeah, so... Um, Obviously, keep an eye on Speaker Rendon's race. Uh, that could have pretty major implications. Um, but the rest of the leadership, the majority leader and the whip, they're in safe districts, um, most likely to hold on to their seats. Um, so, yeah, uh, Assembly, very interesting this year. Um, you know, Democrats could lose the supermajority. They'll likely hang on to it. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how many seats they either pick up or lose on the margins. But, yeah. That's actually it for the assembly and for this episode. I wanted to say thank you so much for listening. Uh, this is the very first episode of this podcast, and I just wanted to get it out as quickly as possible uh, before the election. I know I made it a little late here, um, but hopefully it's been useful to some of you. Um, this is my first ever time doing a podcast, uh, doing any sort of episode like this. So if you enjoyed it, please, please leave a review. Um, I'm sure a lot of the podcasts you listen to are a little bit bigger than this, uh, and they ask you to leave a review, and you just you think about it, but it would 
uh, completely changed how many people saw this. So if you made it this far, please leave a review. It would really, really help uh, growing this podcast, helping some other people find it. Um, yeah, uh, one other thing I wanted to mention, actually, and this is in relation to uh, California and the elections. Um, so uh, it's important to remember in California that these are all, you know, vote by mail ballots. Um, takes a lot longer to count those than, you know, electronically submitted, uh, you know, ballots in states that have voting booths and stuff. Um, so be patient. Um, California takes a long time to count these. So be patient. Uh, most of these races, most of the close ones at least, probably won't be called until days after the election. Um, so, yeah, uh, don't don't try to rush it. Don't freak out if there aren't results, especially in the presidential. Um, you know, don't worry if it's not done on election night. I think that's important for everyone to remember this year. And one final note for this podcast. Um, I just wanted to say I uh, do plan on doing more episodes. So after the election, I'm going to do, you know, a rundown of how it went for Democrats in the state, um, Republicans in the state see you know maybe if the senate supermajority got lost um obviously it's going to depend on the presidential uh so maybe we'll talk about that a little bit too um and then also uh, a little bit further down the line talk about a preview for the legislative session of 2021 um that'll be beginning probably in december uh early january um but yeah uh, i'd love to hear some recommendations as well um, i'm going to try to do one or two of these a month so um yeah depending obviously on the feedback so please again review 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 uh and share it with your friends you know do whatever it takes um thank you guys i appreciate it and goodbye okay actually this is the very last thing vote please vote our democracy depends on it okay that's it goodbye <laughs>